0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Monday the 28th of December. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas uh, with the family. And if you were in lockdown or isolation anywhere, that it was as good as it could have been. We've had a long chat, haven't we, Tegan, about when, how long we should mm. go. And I think we're going to make this the last CoronaCast till the 18th of January, unless something big happens, which case we'll come back on air. It's almost predictive, isn't it, Teagan? that if we say we're going to go off air, something big happens. Let's hope it not.
0: Let's hope it doesn't. Um, but before we go, we want to sort of hammer home some important things to keep in mind over the next couple of weeks. But before we do, let's just take a quick look at how Sydney went over the Christmas weekend.
1: Yeah, so Sydney stayed in single digits, which is great. Very large numbers of tests, really huge numbers of tests, which gives you some confidence that the numbers are real. It has still seeded across Sydney, and you've got little clusters which create causes for concern, but that's not translating into large numbers of new cases. They still haven't tracked down where patient zero came from. They probably never will. But it is somebody almost certainly that came back from the United States in some shape or form it's almost receding into in importance in terms of what's happening now. The contact tracing is increasingly showing earlier and earlier infections, um, which is getting towards the origin of it, but they may never get quite there. But that's important in terms of finding out where clusters may have been or emerging that we don't expect.
0: Yeah, there's still some question marks there, but a lot of the people who are testing positive are people who are already in quarantine and isolation. So are we kind of feeling like it, it's not over yet, but has New South Wales more or less nailed the Sydney outbreak?
1: Well, you did have Christmas and Christmas under reasonably relaxed circumstances. You did have that massive gathering on an eastern suburbs breach at Bronte Beach. We'll only see the results of that in five to 10 days' time. But it's looking okay. It still perplexes me that the Premier of New South Wales and the Health Minister are digging in and refusing to mandate masks when that would give them an extra degree of security. I mean, you had people... The other day, swarming all over, on Boxing Day, swarming all over the shops. There was some mask wearing, but not as much as you'd hope. And it would just be such a small thing to go to mandatory masks.
0: Yeah, you sort of need it to be a rule so that people follow it, so that you get that mass coverage that you need for it to be effective. The other thing that I thought was interesting that they mentioned in the press conference yesterday was that some of the people who were testing positive had tested positive on like day 10 or 11 of their isolation. So actually quite late in the isolation.
1: Yeah, and that just goes to the varying incubation periods of this virus. Five days is average, but it can go 8, 10, 14, sometimes even longer than 14. Very, It's a very small percentage that go longer than 14. And then, as we've said many times on Coronacast, your false negative rate right at the beginning of the infection is really quite high. Could it be, could be anything up to 80%, but then goes down to a low, round about eight days. And what you're seeing here is um, the uh, false negative rate getting down pretty low as the infection proceeds in some people. And it's just prudent to watch to see whether or not people are still negative as they come out of that isolation period.
0: We've actually got a question from someone who is in quarantine or was, at least when they wrote this letter to us. Liz is saying, uh, you, Norman, and also the Premier of New South Wales urge people to celebrate Christmas outside. But what about the quarantiners who have no fresh air for 14 days and are relying on Medi hotel ventilation? Is it safe for them?
1: It depends on the Medi Hotel. The ventilation has been a problem in some of them. And I think in some hotels, they've tried to fix up the ventilation so that it is as safe as it can be. But there's no guarantee in this. The problem is that if you're in quarantine and you're taken outside, that creates risk, as, as they showed in Victoria. So unfortunately, you do have to remain confined to the room, tough though that may be.
0: And a question from Philip on quarantine as well. Um, Philip's making the comment that you see politicians talking about non-compliant behaviour as being disappointing or surprising, but um, he's sort of going, well, why don't you just put them in jail? <laughs> where are the regulations that are there to make people comply with regu- with regulations?
1: The problem here is coercion does not always work. They found that out in Victoria. We've mentioned this before where the police surrounded a supermarket, they arrested a woman, if you remember rightly, Um, and then they realised that you just alienate the community by too much coercion. You've got to bring the community along with you. That's what's happened in the northern beaches. It's not perfect, didn't happen in the eastern suburbs of Sydney over the Christmas period, but you've really just got to try and bring people with you. And then for really egregious offenders, then you might have to find them or do something stronger. I mean, Yesterday, they were talking about a woman who'd escaped quarantine in Western Australia and serious fines awaiting her. But apart from the odd case, you just can't be seen to be too heavy handed about this. You've got to bring the community with you.
0: There's so many people in quarantine or isolation or coming forward for testing, like literally tens of thousands of people coming forward for testing. It seems a little unfair to focus on the very few people who aren't doing the right thing when so many people are. That's
1: right. And and this is the problem of behavioural economics, if you like, which is that if you think the norm is misbehaviour, then you will change your behaviour towards the norm. We, we like to think that our behaviour is typical of other people's, with a few exceptions. And therefore, if all we are doing is broadcasting bad behaviour, actually the behaviour of the community will drift towards bad behaviour. Whereas if you fo- focus on the positive and saying the vast majority of people in New South Wales are doing the right thing, then that becomes the norm and we do it. The same thing goes for just changing the subject from COVID-19 to say obesity. The more we say obesity is a huge problem, 40% of people are obese, or whatever the number happens to be at that particular time, people who are putting on weight think, oh, well, it's relatively normal. There's not a problem with being obese. I might not like it that much, but that's the way it's going. Whereas if you actually say the majority of Australians are not obese, and are feeling good and so on and so forth, then you will tend to think that's the norm and drift towards that, so changing your behaviour in that sort of form. And that's what and that's how it works here too. Forcing it too hard doesn't work.
0: Is the same a bit the case with masks then, like we were saying before, that if you make them mandatory and people are wearing them, then people will just wear them? Well, there is
1: a, there is a saying promoted by some people in healthcare, which is there is, a, there is some things that you just do it. And mandatory mask wearing is a just do it. It's an easy thing to do. Um, You're not restricting people's behaviour. You're just asking them to wear a mask. So it's not too onerous. And therefore, it's a reasonable thing to ask that it's mandatory to protect others.
0: Well, given that it is our last episode for at least a couple of weeks, unless something big happens and we will be back if it does, Norman, what sort of mindset should we be taking into 2021?
1: Well, let's just start with the so-called UK strain, although people in Britain are really jacking up saying it's the UK strain. It's like uh, people saying that the um, coronavirus is the China virus. So they're feeling a bit anxious about that. Anyway, there is a strain first identified in the southeast of England, which we saw yesterday in a preprint that it looks as though the estimated increase in transmission ability, if you like, is about 56%, not 70% as first touted. It doesn't look as though it's increasingly virulent, in other words, doing more damage or even less damage to people. And it is slowly taking over in terms of the prevalent virus in that part of England, and will probably start moving there and maybe even overseas once borders start coming down. So there's not something to panic about, The comment in this preprint is that the control of this virus, this new variant, is the same as before. It's lockdown. And actually, it's a serious lockdown. And they predict from their modelling that in the UK, they won't control this variant with half-hearted lockdown measures. It's got to be the full thing, including universities and schools. They predict that unless Britain does that, it's not going to be able to control this new variant, given its increased contagiousness. The other thing I'd say for 2021 is what's out for vaccines. If the Astra vaccine comes in and reports better effectiveness with new dosing, then we're in good shape in Australia because we're manufacturing it here. But if they are stuck around 62%, Australia has a major problem on its hands with a second-rate vaccine and um, will need to urgently acquire early doses of the vaccine from Pfizer or Moderna so that we can be prepared particularly for clusters where if new clusters arise we can immunize healthcare workers or even experiment with uh, what we talked about before in coronavirus ring vaccination but um, the Astra vaccine is for australia is the one to keep an eye on because if that doesn't pan out in the next few weeks to be in a, a highly effective vaccine australia's got a problem because we have a second rate vaccine on our hands and the other thing i'll say for 2021 i'd love to leave people with a positive sense is that we've really got to dig in for 2021. It's going to be a long time before this comes under control. And for most of 2021, we are going to be at risk in Australia from overseas importation of virus, from coronavirus fatigue, which I'm sure many people are feeling already. So we've just got to keep our vigilance, keep our borders strict, and hope that the vaccine gets in early and we can mass vaccinate as quickly as possible so that we get this under control and hope that those vaccines do prevent transmission. Those are the things to watch out for. And we just all got to take a deep breath and dig in for 2021.
0: Absolutely. But you've got to say that in terms of globally, Australia's going into 2021 in a really good position compared to many other places in the world.
1: It's really fantastic. And so is New Zealand. And you can see from South Korea how fragile that can be. So we've just got to maintain our vigilance, not rest on our laurels, but we've done well.
0: Well, that's all we've got time for on CoronaCast today and this year. Thank you so much for joining us on this absolute roller coaster of a year. And we look forward to seeing you on the 18th of January 2021, if not before.
1: And we wish you a very happy new year.
0: See you next time.